Hey friends, this is Jadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie podcast, Cheekcast episode 69. It's so funny when I'm on here and now I'm using video component also that some of my friends that I have on here kind of, <laughs> y'all smile because it's like, oh, this is how it works. <laughs> Sometimes people think that this is like a high end like production and it's really just me sitting on the lumber deck's couch. It's awesome. Toby sleep because he has a good life and I'm just sitting here talking <laughs> to a friend via Zoom. So that's awesome. Yeah. Real life. Real life, right? Real real life, mm-hmm. real talk. So I am on with someone that I have admired from afar. It's so crazy what can you know, social media and just being involved in different communities. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's also in a yoga community um, or in the yoga community. And we both have a faith perspective of love and service. And I equate that for me to Jesus. I call the divine, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so I have Ksenia Simmons on Um Hi. And welcome, welcome to the podcast. Oh, this is GCast episode 69, in case I didn't mention that. So I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here too. It's pretty, it's exciting to finally meet you. And uh, same here, like I've followed you for ages and to the, you know, point where I thought you were from California. So, (laughs) right. So, you know, I think I was supposed to be born in California, although I am definitely a Midwest woman, but like, I think that California is kind of like my jam. I love, I love living in California. That's awesome. I've only been there one time when I was five and I got lost in Disneyland and that's, my gosh, that's my only memory of that California. Is, that is so funny. Well, you'll have to go again. Maybe we'll we'll all get to hang yeah. out sometime. Yeah, out there on the beach. So, um, yeah, yeah. Welcome and tell us briefly a little bit about yourself before we jump into your story. Yeah, um, would say a, a huge part of who I am is that um, I was born and raised in Central and Eastern Europe. And um, I moved around a whole lot and my identity is very much wrapped up in being a missionary kid and that itself is confusing (laughs) as to what um, we are and um, but yeah I was um, born in Vienna Austria and my parents had originally come to uh, the former Yugoslavia under communism in the early 70s and they did a lot of underground church planting and um, my oldest two brothers were uh, one was born there and the other um, were in the states but um, they both lived um, there and then um, a friend of theirs um, turned them in and so they had to flee the country and um, went to Vienna, Austria and that's where I was born and um, at the time my dad um, had started a Bible school for Yugoslavians and so my community was Yugoslavian but um, so we spoke Serbo-Croatian but I lived in Austria so the world around me was German, and then at home we spoke English. So I, I 
the first seven years of my life were trilingual and um, and tricultural and um, yeah, so just a really diverse and interesting way of growing up and um, I loved it. I loved being able to have all these different experiences and meet all these different types of people um, and then when we were when I was seven we moved to Germany and uh, my oldest brother and I we um, have a learning disability and the school there there was a school there called the Black Forest Academy and it um, had a program that could help us with that and so that was our purpose for moving there and um, during that time um, a lot of things happened during that time but um, my um, my mom um, came down with, well, not came down. She got Lyme's disease. Mm. And, um, so my, a lot of my memories are my mom being sick and my dad traveling a lot. Um, my, um, and then my brothers, there's quite an age difference between my brothers. So just, um, from afar admiring their, their life <laughs> as a little girl. Sure. Um, and, um, then also during that time, uh, the Bosnian war broke out. And so mm. a lot of our time in those six years was, was going down to Croatia or to Bosnia and, um, helping people during the war. Um, and that looked from, um, bringing aid to refugees to, um, helping build houses for widows to my dad. Now he wouldn't do this with our fam with his family with him, but um, smuggled food into the city of Sarajevo while it was under siege and um, just all different kinds of crazy things um, being exposed and meeting um, people whose lives were ripped apart and um, lost everything, lost everyone they loved and having to move to a new country and, one of my best friends was um, a refugee who lived right down the road from me in Germany, and she was a gypsy from um, Skopje, Macedonia. And um, yeah, so just a, a crazy life, and um, and a lot of my my childhood there was, um, even though I didn't have firsthand experience of the war, it was it was a lot of um, what you would call vicarious trauma or right. experiencing trauma through someone else's experience. Sure. Um, and so that just formed a lot of um, compassion and empathy within me and just a real desire to see um, people not hurt, <laughs> not suffer. And, um, but also put in just the questions of why do we suffer and, and it just being really difficult um, to grasp the pain that people have to go through, um, questioning why women would, um, be put in rape camps and why would rape camps even exist and, um, just different, different things like that. So it was crazy. Um, thankfully the war did end and, um, but that country is severely, um, countries, excuse me, are, you know, very much still in the reconciling and finding healing, um, 
of their country, of their language, of their people, and just different things like that. But um, then my brothers graduated high school, and um, we moved back to Eastern Europe, um, and we moved to Budapest, Hungary. And so um, that's in high school. Um, I just... Uh, yeah, it was hard. High school was hard, as but I feel like that's kind of pretty universal. <laughs> like high school is hard. Is I don't think it really matters what country you live in or where you go. Uh, it's difficult. Um, and but it was also really beautiful too. I went to a very small international school where um, there was forty people in the entire high school. Like my graduating class had six people in it, so just wow. very intimate. Like these are. These are kids that become your brother, like your brothers and sisters, and at the sure. same time, there's also a lot of, a lot of wounding and hurt that happens um, at the same time. So, um, I love Budapest. It would probably, out of all the places I lived, feel the most home to me because okay. I think gotcha. a lot of my identity was formed there. But yet, at the same time, um, I really don't know where I'm from. So, yeah, and then. Um, I went to college in Seattle, Washington. I um, studied American Sign Language there, worked with um, the deaf and loved that culture. I think a big part of what I loved about that culture was um, was just their warmth and openness and um, their culture and a people who um, live within a broader culture and um and I kind of felt a lot that same way as a missionary kid felt very um like I don't fit I don't I don't fit here but I but I kind of do but I don't you know so just um really not fully knowing my place and a, a lot of deaf people you know they they don't fully fit into the hearing world but then they're not um they have their their identity and their and their deaf culture and stuff like that so I, I found a lot of comfort um and family and friends in that community and then um, I met my husband um I guess 11 years ago now and um moved to South Carolina 10 years ago mm -hmm. and um we have two kids now so my son Liam is eight, and my daughter Celicia is five, and they are—they're um, amazing. So that's a little bit about me. I, I teach holy yoga here in Colombia, and I love it. Um, it's a joy. I just um, the community that it's brought, and the women I get to meet, and um, the few men that come—you <laughs> know, want more men, but um, one day. Um, and it's just a real joy to be able to be a part of something like that and to see, to get a front row seat at seeing people's lives be impacted. Um, and not by me, but by just sure. them connecting Showing back up. to themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and what made you, when I sent kind of an SOS, if you will, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, specifically around survivorship and what that means. Okay. And I left it pretty broad. Um, I did mm -hmm. give some ideas, I guess. Mm -hmm. What about the post made you decide to reach out? And then we'll get into 
your own experience? Yeah. Um, really for me, um, like I, I shared with you earlier, I, I consider myself a survivor of many things, but, um, the main, the main thing would be really, um, survivor of sexual assault and rape. Um, I was raped, uh, 16 years ago on September 10th, uh, the night before 9-11. And, um, for me, um, the reason why I responded to you was because I've often thought to myself, what if I had heard another woman's story of healing from rape? Would that have changed my life? Would that have changed the trajectory of my healing? Would I have found the courage and the bravery to take steps earlier than what I did? Um, my healing journey didn't start until well, 10 years into, um, after the rape. And so, um, I just, um, I don't want that for other people. It's a very lonely, um, lonely place to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I love that because it's clear during our pre-call that you have a heart for others mm-hmm. and you weren't really thinking about yourself as with the exception of it would have been helpful to you at one point, but because that mm-hmm. wasn't there for you, mm-hmm. you want it to be there for someone right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I really yeah. appreciated that. And so, Thanks. one question about that, um, because we did a lot of talking during our pre-call. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that there are so many people on this planet that I'm like, they could become a good friend of mine. Like I, <laughs> I hopefully stay in contact. You know, yeah, and yeah, I'm one of those people. Yeah. And so mutual. Thank you. When you um when you had that horrible thing happen to you when you were sexually mm-hmm. assaulted, mm-hmm. in addition to wishing that you had someone to talk to mm-hmm. or had heard something from another survivor, mm-hmm. what, if anything, was helpful that other people did for you? And what, if anything, was not helpful that other people did for you? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard one to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hard to answer because I have fear that if any of my friends <laughs> hear this, sure. <laughs> but the reality is I didn't have a lot of help. Yeah. Um, uh, when I, and I want to, I'm going to pause you for one quick yeah. second. Yeah. This is not friends that are listening or who will listen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an indictment about you, so please don't. No, 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 no. It's about you because it's not about you. Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes have to remind myself, like, the world doesn't revolve around me. It's not about mm-hmm. me. If someone says mm-hmm. that someone wasn't there for them, it means the collective, not Shadima yes. wasn't here for me. So please right. hear our right. heart when we're saying this. We are doing this to be helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. We're not going backwards to stir up stuff we're here in the present and moving forward. So yeah. I just wanted and, to add that. Go ahead. Yeah. And the reality is that, um, to be fair, most people, unless you've walked it, you don't know. 
And so to be fair, it's, it's nothing against anyone. Um, they have their own pain. They have their own journey. They have their own um, parts of isolation. They have their own anxiety, depression, like you name it. You know, they're, each, of, each of the people who have crossed paths with me were at that point in time walking through something individual in their own life. Right. Um, and then I'm sure in the same respect, I couldn't enter fully into it either. And that's one thing about healing is that no one can fully enter into it with you. Like it is something that you really have to walk through and into yourself. And I think, um, and that's the hardest part because, um, I was really good at running, <laughs> really, really, really good at running. And, um, but I think to go back to your original question, I think for me, um silence is really hard so um it's okay to not know what to say and it's fully okay when someone says i'm really struggling because this is what i went through or this is what i experienced or for me you know when i would open up to a friend and share like i was raped and i just don't know what to do about this or it just feels um um, I was never looking for the answers to be fixed. Um, I was looking for uh, you. I'm here with you. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just, I'm, but I'm going to be here with you. Um, and also not always believing that when I said I am fine, then I'm fine. <laughs> like, um, because that's a survival mechanism. Um, that's a cultural norm to say, Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Um, no, actually really, I am not fine. Um, or if, if the topic ever did come up and I would talk about it, um, not just leaving it there and asking, being willing to be uncomfortable yourself to enter into the pain with someone, um, and to just ask questions. Um, when you go through this kind of a traumatic experience, it lives with you no matter whether another person acknowledges it or not. It's there. And so having someone acknowledge and validate um, what you're feeling, that it's okay to feel what you're feeling, um, and that it's also okay not to have any answers. So. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I'm learning myself that one of the things that I say is I don't know what exactly to say mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. but know that I'm here. And mm -hmm. if I think of something that I can do that's tangible, that could be helpful. I will just mm -hmm. do it without even asking you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but if there's something you think of that mm -hmm. would be helpful to you, please let me know. Mm -hmm. And I will do yeah. that, you know, exactly. I don't know. I mean, we don't have the answers to everything. Right. And I think right. sometimes there's a false expectation mm -hmm. that to be with someone. And I loved what you said. Like, I just need to know that you're here with me mm -hmm. to be with someone, even if it's not physical, but it's emotional, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, or spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's a really powerful thing. Like hearing yeah. the story mm -hmm. and saying, I'm with you. Right. And not seeing, right. Because that's right. part of it. It's like, and not assuming that they know that you're available mm -hmm. because I think you sometimes need to say, I am available and open to you and to whatever, in whatever way that looks like. And so as much as I knew my friends loved me and they wanted the best for me, um, 
I never heard that said. And so just that permission, I guess, that permission to say, I'll be here for you in this. So, yeah. 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 So what does healing mean to you and what does that look like and how did you get there and what tools were available for you? Hmm. What does healing look like to me? Um, well, for me in my journey, my, my healing journey started when um, it was year 10, the anniversary of, of 10 years came around and I realized, because um, I always had this thought in my mind, by 10 years, I'll have this figured out. By 10 years, I will surely have found healing. By 10 years, you know, um, and 10 years came and I was worse. <laughs> I was worse off than I was before. And so, but oftentimes, at least I found in my life, it does have to get worse. Um, for me, that worse looks like um, um, severe chronic um, depression. It looked like, um, and I shared with you on the pre-call, you know, how horrible my pregnancies were. And then I spent a lot of time in bed and isolated and that really, um, just left me in a uh, trauma. First of all, isolates you no matter what form of yeah. trauma it is. Um, it isolates you and trauma is a very broad word, but every person on this planet has experienced trauma, but it isolates you and it keeps you alone. And so, um, just, there's all these different factors in my life that played into me becoming more and more and more withdrawn and isolated and to where the depression got so bad. I, I, it was after I had my second daughter, um, or my second child, um, my daughter, Celicia, and um, my postpartum depression was so bad, but it had already been coupled up with eight and a half months of pretty much being bedridden. Um, the anniversary of the 10 years before that, um, the miscarriage of a baby, um, just a lot of different things like that, that just compounded um, everything. And um, I found myself um, the February of, of 2012, um, excuse me, 2013, just completely, um, yeah, I was at the end of myself and I, um, I had a suicide plan. I, um, knew like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, the pain was too great. And, um, despite having two beautiful babies and a very loving, supportive, caring husband that, um, I just, I couldn't face this pain anymore. So for me, um, it was really just a moment of desperation and of crying out to God and just saying like, I can't, I can't do this. So you you either stop me or I'm stopping it myself. Like, I don't know. Um, and for me, what that looked like was, um, you know, this might sound crazy to some people and that's okay if it does. But, um, I, um, heard God <laughs> tell me, um, Ksenia, if you trust me, if you will take a moment and, um, I will give you hope and I will give you healing. 
and I will bring you health because I um, at that point in time was so unhealthy like my whole body was aching my whole body was in pain um, I from just weight wise was 85 pounds heavier than I am today but that was because I had run for years to food to feel better to feel anything um, I had been so numbed out and so full of pain and um, I ran to food and um, oftentimes when trauma you your body um, starts fighting itself and the way it fought my body was my thyroid and my pituitary gland and just different things like that my adrenal glands and um, which there's a lot of scientific reasons for all of that that I won't go into right now but um, of just literally my body was in so much pain I needed the healing um, I needed health in my body I needed healing in my soul um, and I, I needed hope to keep going so for me that really um, those next six months after that moment, that very pivotal moment where I heard God's promise for me, and that promise is still true today. Like I remind myself of that promise constantly. Like I am still giving you hope and I am still giving you healing and I am still giving you health. And it looks different and the layers are different and some layers have been peeled back and have been restored and there's health and there's life and vitality there that was once dead, but now, um, but there's more layers, right? So, um, and for me at that point in time, it really just looked like I literally would have my Bible out because I, and I hadn't just to preface this, like I had completely given up on God on the Bible. Like I wasn't, um, I had no community communion with him whatsoever. And so, um, but I just, um, I had my Bible out and I would just read one verse um i pretty much lived in psalm 34 for like an entire year it was pretty much all i could do was just eat breathe sleep that verse because everything else was so painful to where even like my breath breathing was painful <laughs> um and so um anyone who's been to that point of desperation knows exactly what i'm talking about when you say you're your breath hurts, but, um, yeah. And so, and I had to be awakened to it. I had to, I had to stop running, um, and be awakened to how bad off I was, um, to slow down. And God slowed me down through lots of different physical things in my life to wake me up to who he is and to what's going on. Um, so for me, it started with eating well. It started with, um, talking to him again and, the word of God and um, and eventually that that went into and morphed into physical stuff like yoga and um, that's really where I started becoming connected back to my body again was um, when I got introduced to yoga and that was a huge part for me that's awesome so so friends there are so yoga um, I am a trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive yoga certified teacher, mm -hmm. and that has been helpful for people, um, mm -hmm. and it sounds like it was helpful for you as well. Mm -hmm. Was there any talk therapy? So, so going backwards for a second, mm -hmm. um, 
when trauma happens and you are getting mm-hmm. into this, um, and there's a lot of science behind it, at mm-hmm. least the imprint, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, down to the cells, you know, mm-hmm. into the DNA. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, and trauma can be anything, it doesn't have right. to be, it can be a motor vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It could be a traumatic birth, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah. these imprints are kind of there and now we're just a population across the globe of people who have largely not addressed their trauma. Mm-hmm. You know? And right. so we behave in ways that are consistent of people who are surviving the worst mm-hmm. because right. there's been no healing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's really important to consider in terms of compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. And there are still consequences for poor choices and bad behavior, right? Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So I can't lean on that and say, oh, well, I was traumatized and that's why I assaulted this person. Right. I need to take mm-hmm. a look at that. Mm-hmm. So what, um, did you do anything else besides the physical in terms of like therapy or self-care and, um, mm-hmm. you know, addressing some of the food stuff? Like mm-hmm. how, how were you able to do that? Um. Honestly, for me, um, some of my greatest healing did come through the ministries of Revelation Wellness and Holy Yoga. Um, God used that in my life. Um, there's many different ways, right, for people to, to find healing. Um, but this is, that was the main avenue that God used in my life. Um, for me, just learning about my body. Um, you know, we're not taught how to take care of our bodies. We're not, we're not taught um, how to even stand right or how to sit right for our bodies. Um, We're not even, we're just not taught those things. And so um, it just, it just allowed me to understand myself. It allowed, it gave me language to um, then take that back to God and say, okay, what is this? And how does this apply to me and my story and my life? And so a lot of it was, was time on my mat. A lot of it was um, time in meditation and in journaling and um, just really asking those important questions, not being afraid to ask the questions, um, being able to, to, to no longer be fearful that the pain I was experiencing, because here's the thing is, is when you have gone through trauma, right, you're exposed. Um, you like, for some people, it might mean you're literally naked. Um, for other people, it might have that feeling of being stripped of dignity of who you are. Um, and so it, it just leaves you really frozen (laughs) really fearful um or you know really um fighting for your life and right so fight fight or freeze which many of us know and understand that that type of language but for me what i what i found through my healing um was that when i stopped fighting um so much and i stopped running so much and um, I surrendered is when my body stopped fighting against me too. 
So, um, because it's like, it, you know, like when you're in yoga, like if you're trying to force this pose, it's just going to force back on you and you're not going to get anywhere. Um, when you finally surrender to it is when you're going to, it's going to create and initiate that space for you in your life to enter in. Right. And so the answer to our pain is in our pain. And so going through it. And so this exposure, what I learned too was, was just this journey of, of not being afraid of entering into the pain and to the uncomfortable and knowing that entering into that doesn't take away from who God is because I would be so afraid of of encountering the worst part of who I am of me and so I really had to start letting that go and realizing oh God actually is the divine Jesus he really is safe to enter into this with he is safe because in his exposure Mm -hmm. When he allows things to rise to the surface that are painful or uncomfortable instead of running or fighting them of being able to look at it without judgment, without criticism, with being able to notice it and to see it and to feel it and to experience it. Um, I, I started understanding that, Oh, like this is what trust looks like and understanding that in his exposure of those things, it was, it's not him being cruel. It's not, me not being able to figure things out it's it's a gift to be able to walk back through that knowing that I'm also in the safety of him and who he is and um and so my mat was really my safe place um my journal was my safe place um um finding out more about my body and how it functions and how healing actually works in a person's body and that it is something that is actualized and that's something that happens and that we were we are created to heal and how amazing our bodies are in that way and I started um, just realizing that exposure the root word of exposure actually means enclosure and so um, this weird you know um, what's that called where it doesn't like um, it's this, the flip side of the same coin. I don't, I'm not good at American phrases, um, <laughs> but where you, you know, it's not like the word exposure is really scary, but yet when you learn and you walk through and it becomes, um, a personal experience of understanding that exposure with God is actually the safest place to be because you are enclosed in who he is and you are safe with him with divine love um and so it really i think healing for me is that journey of what safety feels like first of all for many of us that concept doesn't even we might be able to understand it logically but we have no integration to what that actually feels like in our bodies or in our minds or in our hearts and so um, learning that God is safe, um, learning that I am safe. I used to be so afraid of myself and so afraid of my thoughts and so afraid of not being able to trust myself, my decisions, my, my journey, um, constantly second-guessing myself. And so just really starting to root into what some of those things are to no longer um, second-guess every choice I make. 
you know, knowing, um, trusting that I have a brilliant mind and trusting and knowing that I can make healthy choices and good choices for myself. Um, to no longer blame myself and cover myself in a ton of guilt and shame. Um, and so forgiving myself, forgiving my rapist, um, things like that, that, um, that I think really, um, if you don't have divine love with you, it's really lonely and probably near impossible. I would say probably impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you just said. I was running um, and run walking with Toby yesterday and Mm -hmm. I was listening to, and we talked about this briefly during the pre-call podcast with which um, Glennon Doyle was interviewed Mm -hmm. or I should say for whom Glennon Doyle was interviewed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she said that one of the greatest things is for specifically women and I'm speaking in gendered language women to not care about what others think, mm-hmm. you know, to do, to go mm-hmm. with their gut mm-hmm. on something yeah. and not care and not explain it. So she's yeah. like, the first part is listening to your intuition. Mm-hmm. Which we shut down it, all the time. Exactly. Intuition. Mm-hmm. Some people call it Holy spirit. Some people call it the spirit or inner mm-hmm. knowing or inner voice, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that on this podcast, pretty much everything is available um, and permissible and it's inclusive. And so that inner being, that inner knowing that I believe is connected to something greater, Mm -hmm. we don't listen, you know, and then we beat ourselves up later or we start taking polls even amongst our girlfriends of like, what do you think Mm -hmm. I should do? And you already know Mm-hmm. So to go forth and do something that you know is what you need to do and not mm-hmm. have to explain yourself to anyone is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, specifically with women, because I think men do not struggle with that <laughs> as much as, as much as I think women do. Yeah. I'm not saying all or nothing. I am just saying right. definitely broad strokes generalization, but it mm-hmm. seems like, I mean, I've seen it in my own life where, and I'm, I'm doing my own work as well. And one of my friends said, well, it sounds like you're polling people. And I'm like, no, this is what I want to do. And she's like, are you sure <laughs> about that? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is I already knew, like the answers mm-hmm. have always been within me once I connect yeah. to, you know, the divine and the light within me. Yeah. That- and that's the same to your healing. Your healing is within you. It's there. It is fully there. You like, like I said before, which, you know, it'll have to be a different podcast, but the amazing, our bodies are so amazing at healing and the way our, our brains work and the neural connections and all those things that just, um, our brains are created, our bodies, brains, spirits are created to cultivate healing. And yet, um, I just think there's a lot of um, miscommunication about it or no communication about it whatsoever um, or education about it. Um, and so I, I love being able to speak, especially um, with the people who are directly in my life and 
um, Kamameyoga classes of just, you know, little by little, because healing does come little by little. It's not, you know, um, there, there might be those, those big moments, those big moment healing moments, which I have several of them of, of where, oh, like that was a defining pivotal time. And like sure. that altered the trajectory of everything, but on a whole, it is a process and it is, it is that, that ever flowing, um, and but it all comes back to that connection, connecting back to yourself. And if you can't connect back to yourself, if you can't see, and I was I was so broken. I had no idea that I was disconnected. I had no idea that I, because um, I, you know, heart, mind, soul, body, strength. You know, I'd heard that before, right? That's a very Christian thing to say. Um, but I had never encountered an experience that showed me how disconnected I was to myself. And so being given a safe space to experience that changed everything for me. It was also completely terrifying because to wake up to how disjointed you are to yourself is not a fun experience, but it is the beginning to realize, okay, there's something more here that first little connection that builds on another connection that builds on another. And then you eventually have this, this safety net within yourself of who you are, of who God is, of your story of dismantling all these things and um, taking down all these, these lies and these things that, that you carried for so long that do you no good anymore? You know? So really um, it's just a lot of that digging up, but, Many people, you know, and understandably so, are terrified to dig things up. And, um, you know, it's so sometimes it's easier to walk around being blind to it, you know. That's yeah. so true. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's You're a welcome. lot of good stuff, and I'll definitely have you back on because we have a couple of ideas in our yeah, can't share yeah I've like barely scratched the surface. <laughs> totally. So yeah. Um, so awesome. Well, thanks again for Thank being you. on. I'm so glad it, it worked out. Uh, all right. So this is a story I found that I think relates to your story, Ksenia. Um mm -hmm. And so this is from Humans of New York. Um, yeah. And it's a gentleman who lives in Greece. Mm. And it says, uh, my father was a farmer and we had eight siblings. I went to Australia when I was 15 because my family didn't have enough to eat. I was on a boat for 40 days. When I got there, I couldn't find a job. I couldn't speak English and I had to sleep on the street. I know what it's like. So every day I drive the van to the port and hand out bread to the refugees. Mm -hmm. My son is my business partner. He says, Baba, please. It's fine to help, but not every day. But I still go every day because I know what it feels mm -hmm. like to have nothing. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love this. So I'll totally. send you this one. Um, um, please do. See it. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's yeah. why I, you know, want to talk about my story now is because I know what it's like to have nothing. <laughs> totally. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. So friends, thank you so much for your support, your love, your inspiration. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Share this 
podcast episode with someone that you know could benefit from listening and let me know what you think in the reviews and subscribe and I would love to hear from you in terms of what you need how I can be helpful to you I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides I honor the place within you of love of light of truth of peace I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me there is only one of us so have a gratitude-filled day, friends. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie. Until next time, namaste.